Thank you, Kristen, for joining me today. Of course. <laughs> um, so we, we've been friends for a while now. It's uh, been a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. The people I've been talking to uh, for, for these uh, little segments, mm -hmm. um, it's been like four years um, I don't know why 2017 was the year I met all these amazing women <laughs> and and then it turns into this uh, this idea of wow let's like you know let's that thing. Um, you know turns out you're all like amazing women that have been through some actual shit um, I don't know I'm not going anywhere with that other than I was just <laughs> <laughs> well thanks first of all <laughs> um, so the first question I have for you is uh, what is your history with uh, with Wonder Woman? Were you like a fan of the comics or the old TV show or the movies? So I have to say, I actually wasn't a fan like at all. And then I went to college and did a women's studies minor. Mm -hmm. And I actually took a whole class based on Wonder Woman. Oh. Um, so we kind of talked about like the different symbolism, the different um, just like insinuations that Marsden made in the comics and mm -hmm. it was really interesting to me because not only was it about feminism and just being like a badass but yeah. it was also um like culturally he was part of the lgbtq plus community yeah. so that was kind of amazing too um i really really enjoyed that and and he was persecuted for it so yeah we uh so you you turned me on to this i didn't even know this movie existed uh the Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Yeah, and I mean, I can't, I cannot prove nor disprove how much of it is factual, but I do know that he um, was in a so-called thruple. Yeah. Um, he had a wife and then they had a partner and they actually continued the comics after he died. Mm -hmm. So they kind of brought it back to what it should have been. Um, so that was really interesting. And I mean, Luke Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Very attractive man. And, and uh, Rebecca Hall was his wife. And yeah. I, I don't remember who he played the other the other partner. She's she's really familiar to me. I've seen her in some other things, but not not a ton. I don't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're the throuple, one of you is bound to be forgotten. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A really, a really interesting backstory for them. Um I'm sure that you know a lot of it was exaggerated for sure, film, film sure. reasons, but um, I, but I was interested because I didn't really know much about him, right? And then getting into that, it's like, oh, you see why this guy was so interested in telling stories about strong, you know, like independent right. women. It's like, well, because you know he literally like lived with two of them. <laughs> right. And I mean, it was the time when like suffragettes and everything were huge and mm -hmm. his his comics were all about, you know, breaking chains. She was in bondage 99% of the time. So um, <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then they say like that wasn't appropriate. They tried to change it. And that wasn't something he was willing to do because, you know, he was really strong in those beliefs. And um, he was a psychologist. So it's really interesting to see some of the psychological backgrounds yeah um yeah for sure um and, and that's and that's well documented that you know part of the reason that those comics were popular unfortunately is because she was in bondage a lot and right there is a weird 
male fantasy about right. that a little bit. But um, also you get into the the bondage as in like social bondage yeah, and like yeah. women are in bondage in terms of their rights and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so a little deeper, it's not just about the, you know, sexy, <laughs> sexy bondage. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, no, for sure. Um, and, and I remember, you know, we talked about like when we first met, we talked about the first Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. And I said that I thought that there was a really interesting whether they meant to or not, and probably might have, because Patty Jenkins mm-hmm. you know, is the director. Uh, there's a really good metaphor for feminism in the first movie, when you know it's like she, you know, makes this effort to liberate this town, and everybody's excited, and then mm-hmm. a man just blows it up. Right. Like, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Just messes everything up for her. Yeah. I think it is interesting, though, because, you know, we see, like, and I talk about Moana a lot in terms of this, Mm. like, princesses that don't have a romantic relationship. Even with Wonder Woman, she still had, like, the Steve Rogers. Like, it it was still a thing. So she still kind of... not wasn't made like more weak, but that was a huge factor for her. Well, Steve Trevor. Steve, Steve Trevor. Oh my God. Steve oh. Rogers is Captain America. Ah, uh, I can't. <laughs> See, I told you, I have like I have no background, so I'm I'm just coming in from what I know from my class. <laughs> that's oh, that's man. fine. That's fine. Uh, like I said, it's all about you anyway. Okay. Um, um, so you know, like I said, in doing these segments, you know, I I thought a lot about you know, women I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I met you, you were 21. Mm-hmm. And you had, like, already kind of been through the ringer a little bit. Um, yeah. And even more so <laughs> afterwards, when we started to reconnect. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, because there was kind of a joke, like, hey, if your story over the past few years is worse than mine, you got to do a shot. <laughs> so I tell you my story. And then you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, you're doing a shot with me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, I could always beat it. (laughs) Um, So if you don't mind kind of getting into your history, because you're you're somebody that I, you know, when we met, um, it's so funny because I was thinking a lot about this before we were recording. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were at Rock and Roll, which is a local karaoke bar. Yeah. (laughs) And I... And I was there, I was drinking a beer, and my friends were like, well, we're going to go. I was like, well, I'm going to finish my beer, and then I'm going to go. And then I guess you and your friends felt bad for me, and you were like, hey, you want to come hang out with us? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, sure. And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, I was going to be here for like 10 more minutes. Um, And then, you know, we started talking, and I asked for your number, and you put it in my phone as random bat girl. And I asked you later what that meant. And you were like, oh, it's supposed to be random bar girl. <laughs> but yeah, I was a little, little tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're, because when I texted you later, I was like, hey, how's it going? You're like, oh, good. How you doing? I was like, yeah, yeah. And you were like, so anyway, how do I know you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, not one of my finer moments. You know, rock and roll has a lot of those for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me as well. Uh, there's uh, several um, songs that I've sang that. We're not on key, if we'll put oh, it that yeah. way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but anyway, you know, it's like, so, you know, we, you know, we hung out a few times. Mm-hmm. We were friends, you know, kind of fell out. And then, you know, years later, we reconnected. Right. And, uh, and then again, like I said, you know, we're talking about our stories. I was like, I was like, oh, so, you know, congrats on your kid and everything. Yeah. And you were like, well, that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is a whole thing. He still is. Um, yeah. So, I mean... When I was younger, I, I dealt with a lot of stuff in terms of um, I have really bad anxiety and depression, and that wasn't something that was diagnosed for me until I was 13, 14 when I had been suicidal. Um, and 
you know, I sought help for myself. I, I lived with my grandparents and my mom, and that generation was not very, like, open about mental health stuff. So yeah. when I finally started, like, working in therapy on everything, it, it was a lot better. But, you know, leaps and bounds happen, and then you, you backtrack a lot. And my college years, you know, you go from being at home and having these strict rules to being able to do whatever you want. So I was drinking, I was partying, um, and rock and roll (laughs) is actually how my son came to be. Um, He's going to be three in July, but um, I think like him coming into my life completely changed it. I was, I was in nursing school, um, well, for four years before I had him. Um, I got pregnant that summer before my super senior year and (laughs) and then I went back to school with a five-week old um so I was going to school full-time for nursing and I finished and I'm in a place that I love now I'm a hospice nurse um so yeah I mean I still go to therapy once a week but (laughs) you know I, I I say this all the time on the podcast like like go to therapy folks like oh yeah you gotta you know um like, you know, you do your annual checkups with your doctor. Right. You, well, most people do. Yeah. They should. They go, should. Go to the doctor. You really <laughs> should because uh, this is a story that I, I don't know if I've told on the podcast before, but, you know, I, I put on Facebook once, you know, like uh, last year, year before, something like that. Uh, no, I think it was the year before because COVID, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, as much as, you know, we all talk about like, you know, mental health checkups, like you got to do your physical checkups too. Right. And, uh, and I said, you know, go see your doctor every year, you know, like most insurances cover it. Like, yeah, it's really important. And I had a friend who reached out to me and was like, you know, I saw your message and I realized it's been a while since I've been to the doctor. So I went, got my blood work. Turns out I'm anemic. Oh man. And you know, I would never have known. Yeah. I was reminded by your post. And like, you feel so much better when you take care of that stuff. Like, especially anemia, man, that makes you so tired all the time. And so, yeah, I mean, and especially a lot of insurances will offer um, like a a credit towards your deductible if you do certain things. So, Yeah. yeah, we have a something with my insurance where it's like, you know, if you get your uh, we know. have the same insurance. Oh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we will for, for UPMC. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> not that this is an ad. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, you get your like health screening or whatever, your yeah, yeah. biometric screening, and they give you like a $2,000 credit toward your deductible. Yeah, which so. is not, which is, you know, unfortunately not as common as it should be. Right. Some insurances do it, some, some don't. That's a whole other discussion about capitalism. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, something I really uh, admired about you right off the bat when I met you was, you know, you were very much an activist, mm-hmm. you know, for Medicaid, um, yeah. you know, and you were like, you know, I was like, hey, what are you up to? And you were like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm calling like senators and stuff saying, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Medicaid good, your policy's bad or something like that. Well, yeah. So it was um, especially when like abortion rights and everything were coming into play and they were talking about cutting funding to Medicaid. And that was something I was on up until I got my first big girl job, you know. So I grew up in a relatively lower income household. So that was something that I qualified for. And I really didn't understand like the intricacies of like co-pays and everything because I had just been on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that there was a lot of like people looked down on it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize how how bad it was like within doctors. You can't find like a dermatologist 
yeah. anywhere <clears throat> in Erie. Yep. They just won't take it. Right. So you have to drive to Meadville if you have Medicaid. Yep. And then that comes into the whole cyclical poverty thing. Um, if these people can't afford insurance, how are they going to afford to get back and forth to Meadville for things that are important? Right. And, you know, dermatologists aren't just like – to make your skin look pretty. I mean, right, this right. is like checking you for skin cancer and things like that. And, and yep. it's really necessary for some people. So I wanted to advocate for just continued coverage. And, and you know, I'm I'm a fan of Medicaid for all because it's so important to yeah. have the health care. And because these people don't have insurance, they're not going to get their checks. They're not. And I'm a hospice nurse. So I see people that like, well, I didn't feel good. I went to the doctor and I have cancer all over my body and now I'm dying. Yep. So you know, it makes me wonder, to some extent, could that have been different? Um, it, the healthcare system, you know, up and down is um, fucked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to put it lightly. It's, it, you know, and I and I say that, he, you know, being someone that, that works in healthcare mm -hmm. and, you know, and getting work, you know, trying to get authorizations for procedures, you yeah. know, for MRIs or CTs or whatever. And then hearing this disclaimer that my, you know, my coworkers and I always joke about and complain about, you know, it's like, you know, just because you get authorization is not a guarantee of payment. I'm like, well, then why the fuck are we doing this? Right. You know, like Absolutely. I've literally come out of the office, like saying that to my coworkers, get yelled at by my boss. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, they need to hear this. Right. Don't tell them the secrets. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the things I really have loved about being in hospice is, for the most part, that's where our healthcare system is kind of um, doing right by people in, yeah. in terms of like Medicare. So like a Medicare patient, they don't pay a thing out of pocket for our service. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I'm the nurse. So I go in there, I order all these meds, all the meds are covered, all of the equipment is covered, everything to like make, make their last last weeks and months peaceful um, and comfortable and able for family to do it at home. But then you like you get into the intricacies of, okay, well, this person's not on Medicare yet. They have a private insurance that, yeah, it does have a hospice clause, but well, what's their deductible? How much out of pocket have they already paid? And like going through that with a family whose head is swimming, they just got some awful news and I'm here to make it worse by telling them like, well, I think you only have two weeks. I know the doctor said six months, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I do this all the time. So then I'm like, well, I don't know anything about this insurance. Let me just get you a breakdown of how much monies you're going to owe, right. which sucks. <laughs> it, and what a what a job it is to be a nurse, because, you know, when, when you have like nurse appreciation week, which yeah. is this week or I don't it know. was last week. I it think. Last week. Yeah. Okay. At the time of this recording, was, you know, May. <laughs> It's May 15th. May 15th. Yeah. Okay, I was looking at the screen. I am wearing my glasses. I don't know why I can't see it. Anyway. Doctor's appointment. You need one. <laughs> no, I'm still kind of waking up. Anyway. Um, no, you texted me and you were like, you were like, I'm on my way. I was like, oh my God, me too. Uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So what a, like, you know, nurses don't get enough credit. Even if you got enough credit, it wouldn't be enough credit. Yeah. Um, and I see that all the time, you know, where you don't realize like how much work goes into being a nurse you know it's like and like what what made you want to pursue that career versus you know like anything else so i'm a little crunchy granola i um my son was born in a bathtub i had a home birth with him and i'm pregnant now so i'm going to be having a home birth with this baby um congratulations by thank the way. you mm -hmm. eight weeks today so super fresh um yeah. <laughs> so 
I was always a little crunchy granola and I was just amazed by the idea of like being a midwife and like that was so cool and that was such holistic care. Mm-hmm. And then life hit and that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I go from midwife to hospice nurse and everybody's like, what? But I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so like I went to school for nursing and I was like, I don't care about geriatrics. I don't care about this because I'm going to be a midwife and I just need to get through it. Yep. Um, and then like senior year hits and we're doing these interviews. And there's no position in labor and delivery. I had done around. I didn't like it. It just wasn't holistic for me, you know. So I, I was coming out and I went into neurology. It was just a position that was open. And I spent six months as a staff nurse on the floor and I hated it. I said, I, I don't think I should have become a nurse. Like, this isn't what I wanted. Because, you know, with and that's a whole nother thing, like safe staffing ratios, they just don't exist right now. So when you have like five or six patients, you don't get to really know them. You kind of throw some pills at them and like, oh, I'll be back in four hours, don't die. Um, <laughs> and then I was kind of, I actually, um, interviewed for a labor and delivery position and the hospice position on the same day just because it was something out of the hospital it was different and like the premise of hospice care is so holistic and and i was like i think i could do that i had had a patient in the hospital um who kind of drew me to it she was a younger lady she had really bad metastatic breast cancer she had fought it off once and she was back and she was just writhing in pain. They did scans and it showed that it was all over her brain. So she was not going to live. And her husband was so good to her. I, I came out, I was, I had a little baby at the time and I was not in a relationship and I was really sad about my life. And I said to one of the neurologists, I was like, he's holding her hair back while she pukes. Like, I just want that for me. And he was like, I will hold your hair back. And I was like, thanks. Like, <laughs> He's like, but as a friend. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> so like, that was the funny of it. But I like did a wound change on her and I was just horrified. I went into the bathroom and cried. And she just kept saying, I just want to go home and be with my babies. She had three little kids. And how old was she? Oh, 40s. I mean, oh. she was young. It was bad. I was picturing like an older one. Mm-hmm. No, oh. she had young kids. Like the yeah. oldest was just going into college. Mm-hmm. So um, she just wanted to go home and be with them. And no one was telling her that there was nothing else they could do. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what is happening? Like she needs a palliative consult. Um, Am had a palliative team. And, and I just, I fought so hard to get some people palliative consults. It shouldn't be that hard, especially when, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think doctors know what to do when they can't fix it. Yeah. And sometimes that means just not having the hard conversations and putting it off as long as they can. So anyway, um, she ended up going home on hospice. And I know now that she passed peacefully at home with her babies around her. Um, and I brought that story into my hospice interview. And the woman who interviewed me says, we had her. She was our patient. Mm. So, you know, I got to, my preceptor is actually the one who took care of her. So I kind of got to like follow through. And that was an amazing feeling for me. Cause you know, you have people leave the hospital, you never see them again, you wonder how they are. And like, we case manage our patients. So for the most part, I'm with them from the start to the very end. Um, I had a patient just the other day, he was mm, 70 maybe. Mm. And he had um, pretty bad cancer and, you know, I did his admission. And I watched as they left the house with them in the funeral home. So it, it was nice to have that follow through and, and make that connection with them. Yeah. So it was it was a world of difference. But that's kind of why I say like 
birth and death are so much alike because mm. those are two things that the body knows how to do mm. that we've thrown a little bit too much medicine and science into and kind of messed it up. Yeah. But if we respect the body during both of those times, you know, we take its lead. It knows what it's doing. Yeah. So we just kind of supplement that along the way. And you can have some really beautiful, beautiful care. Wow. That was... <laughs> That was intense. <laughs> no, no, but but I love it. Um, you know, it, it's the type of stuff that I think people, you know, need to hear. You know, you, you know, and I love what you said about you know birth and death being mm-hmm. kind of the same in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, I it was funny having a, a discussion about with my my best friend's mom. You know, it's like we're all like playing like Cards Against Humanity or something, yeah. and, and she's talking about like giving birth, and we were all a little bit like we don't want to hear. <laughs> but get out she, of here you have a daughter you will hear it <laughs> i just made my fiance watch like a birth the other day and i was like it's like from <laughs> the bird box where the eyes are pried open like you will watch this <laughs> well you know she was a c-section so yeah wasn't as bad oh but <laughs> hey that's worse i think like more kudos to c-section moms i cannot imagine yeah well there's a whole like health risk and everything sure uh, but uh but yeah and that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, in terms of just, I mean, you know, it, it's funny when you talk about like, um, I, I made a joke once. Uh, I, I was working at a doctor's office. Yeah. And uh, I was telling my coworkers this. Uh, when, uh, you know, it's like, so I'm a man working in healthcare. Right. You know, if you're not like a doctor, then that's a weird thing. Um yeah, but uh, some guy was on the phone with me, and he was like, oh, I, I never talked to a guy at a doctor's office before. And I said, well, sir, we're just as capable as women. And he <laughs> he did not think that was funny. He did I not laugh. I think it's funny, though, so and, that's okay. <laughs> and, you know, so I said that story to my coworkers. They were laughing, and then uh, and then they stopped immediately and went, yeah, but there's a lot of things men can't do. And I was just like, right. I, I know. <laughs> like, I grew up with two sisters, you know. I yeah. I have, you know mother of my child and you know my daughter mm-hmm. you know i know there's plenty of things that women can do that man can't do like complain all the time hey about- <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding um but your history with you know the your um the father of your child yeah you know was a whole thing that i was just blown away by yeah it's like we're, we're you know swapping stories and you're just like yeah, let me tell you about this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing, you know, I'm always hesitant to really, really talk about it and like share my true feelings on it because I never want my son to feel any any kind of way because of who his parent is. And I mean, my fiance is wonderful. He's been daddy for as long as we've been together and, yeah. and loves him to death. So he has a wonderful dad. Yeah. Um, and, and this individual, I'm not going to name names, but I don't think they're a bad person. I think that they just, you know, they're they're kind of an example of like getting lost in in the system and not getting help for mental health issues and not taking care of yourself. And in turn, that then hurt their children. Um, And, you know, the story of Jensen's birth is kind of funny because (laughs) um, we had to call an ambulance, but it wasn't for me. It was for his father, who was (laughs) so sure he was having a heart attack. so my doula is in the car and she's like, oh, my God, what do we do? What do we do? And, and we had to pull over and call an ambulance and she had to say, don't get the pregnant one. Don't get the one in labor. Get the other person. <laughs> um, and they 
they took him. Um, it was like a first response van because we had to go. It was an active labor. Like yeah. <laughs> I was about to have a baby on the front seat of a car. Um, so we went and he ended up not being there for my son's birth. And, you know, um, still to this day, I do not know where he was because he was not in any of the hospitals he claimed he was in. I called. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I felt really uh, robbed of an experience yeah. for a long time. But then, you know, I look at I had I had birth pictures done like while I was having him and some beautiful moments that, you know, even though I didn't have like the the partner experience, it was wonderful. Yeah. And it's interesting now. I kind of said to my therapist, I was like, I'm a little nervous for this one. Like, I don't know how to deal with a person being there because like, <laughs> my fiance is very involved and he's very excited and yeah. and wants to do everything. So it's going to be like a completely different experience. And. And that's interesting. But, you know, in but in the best way. Yeah. You know, a completely yeah. different experience. Um, and that's, and I'm so excited for you having met this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, you know, we talk every now and then. Sure. And then, you know, see your Facebook posts and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just, and I get kind of jealous because I'm just like, I'm like, man, like, I guess they're like in love. And <laughs> I guess that's cool. But like. <laughs> fuck, I'm all single and... Yeah, and that was one of the things I said to my therapist. I was like, I think I like him. And she was like, yeah, because you didn't trauma bond with him. You're not, like, obsessed with him. And I was like, oh, like, that was a huge, like, I didn't know that that's what a healthy relationship felt like. Um, And and I had to do a lot of work on, like, trauma bonding and and what that meant. Um, So it's... Let's get into that a little bit. Okay. Because that's that's interesting. Oh, that reminds me. Mm -hmm. Because I stole something... Um. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, well, you're we're still good. Here. You're good. Yeah. Um. I'll cut that out later. <laughs> you're gonna cut out the Steve Rogers thing too, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that stays. No, in take it out, please. Um, okay. Something you shared on Facebook. Oh man, I share a lot on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. This this I shared because I wanted to talk to you about it today. Yeah. All right. I saved on my phone. Uh, trauma comes back as a reaction, not a memory. Oof, that one hit me that, hard. That it, uh, me as well, because it was just like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. And and I love those little nuggets that you can find on Facebook yeah, every now yeah. and then. Yeah, and, and I started taking notes during therapy because she also has those little nuggets. And then by the mm-hmm. time like I'm done talking and stuff, I forget them. Mm-hmm. But like, how true is that? You know, we have muscle memory responses to triggers and you know i'm triggered is such like a a cliche term now but truly when we perceive something as being similar to a negative experience in our lives it physically turns us like in fight or flight it puts us into that um and you know that's kind of how how trauma bonding works is people like um you just connect so quickly and so intensely and that's not healthy. And it was like, it blew my mind that like, wow, that's what it's, it's not supposed to be like obsessed with the person. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And, you know, um, he's, he goes to therapy too now because everybody (laughs) should go to therapy. Right. And I mean, that's the goal of parenthood, mess them up just enough not to need therapy, but like to make them funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm hilarious. Exactly. Just enough. Right. But like everybody needs therapy. No joke. Um, so it's interesting to kind of like see the dynamic after you both start going to therapy versus like one, 
because you learn these things and you learn about trauma bonding and codependency and and how truly my my therapist calls it your shitty rule book right yeah so it's what you grew up with and it's not ever done intentionally like Mm -hmm. your family doesn't f you up on purpose (laughs) everybody's just trying their best and that's that's been a huge thing for me too is realizing that nothing anybody does is malicious it's all about them they're just trying to do their best so that was something you said to me like one of the first times we we ever hung out Mm -hmm. um, you said that to me and that's stuck with me ever since is that nobody's malicious on purpose right i mean some people are but that's a different different story but, but for the most part it's like people aren't you know, they're just, like you said, just doing the best they can, you know, especially, right. especially parents, like hardest job in the world. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sitting there like, you know, and, and it's like my daughter, she's, you know, just something as simple as like, you know, you need to clean up your toys mm-hmm. and she starts freaking out. Right. Because it, because she's two. Right. And she doesn't know how to navigate those big emotions. And that's been huge for me, too, is you can't deescalate a child when you can't deescalate yourself. Yep. And you know what? Timeouts are just as much for me as they are for my son. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I've I work with the woman who watches my son. She's one of my best friends. She has two little girls. And and I really admire the way that she parents because she doesn't just say because I said so. It's like when you're having – I get really overstimulated at times and, like, he just wants to climb all over me. And, yeah. and you know, she had said something similar, but I said, Mommy needs space right now. You need to respect my space yeah. um, versus get off me. And it's like the way you say things impacts their little heads. Yeah. So that was huge. Um, and it really has helped me parent because explaining what I'm going through in my emotions in a way that he can, he can relate to is, is nice. And and you being a parent at such a young age, yeah. I mean, that's you know, not that it's uh, I don't know, I want to word that it's 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 hard no matter what, yeah, no matter what age you are. Um, but because I'm a little bit older than you, mm-hmm. um, but not that much, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, J.K. LOL. But you know, you're so being you know a parent at such a young age, you yeah. know, it that affects you just as much because now your life has changed right absolutely and you know and people say stuff like oh like i you know my i feel like my life was over or whatever and i hate it when people say stuff like that it's like look like you did the deed you you knew what was gonna happen but in a way it's true one aspect of your life is over and it's this whole new beautiful beginning in terms of i have a new life now that this little human who thinks the world of me is a part of um and it's it's really about them and some people don't don't ascribe to that and that's where you get the issues and you know parenting yeah it's hard when you're young but it's also hard when you know you weren't parented the best yourself right right. so and that's like i said everybody's doing their best i'm not going to talk smack on my parents but i could talk smack on my parents if i wanted to um you can it's open (laughs) (laughs) no i never know who's going to hear things and i don't want to incriminate myself (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean everybody's doing the best they can and and the fact that it's a generational thing too like our generation is so much more open with our kids it's not the because i said so it's not the spanking generation so you know we do things differently and and we're realizing that we're doing it differently because it's working yeah so and and there was and there's a thing with co-parenting mm. that that I realized, and you know the mother of my child, you know it's like so I, you know I see her every few days, sure, and uh, <laughs> and she said something, and she was like she was like honey, you know pick up you know pick up your toys. I was like pick up your toys, and she was like don't do that. I was like what? She's like I, I just said it. 
you don't have to repeat it. Okay, She's I like, see. I, I do that. With, I'm like, do that with my parents too. Don't do that. I was like, okay, yeah. That's uh, fair. That and, happens a lot. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of in, not that you meant to, but like you're right. invalidating her parenting by yeah. then taking over the parenting exactly. in a way. And, yeah. And it, and she said it, and she, you know, obviously she's not being mean about it, yeah. but the way she said it totally made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when she's like, you know, when you know, little girls like crying and everything, and you know, and she's just and you know mama just needs a break she goes into the mm-hmm. kitchen or something i'm like i'm like honey look at me look at me i was like who makes the rules in the house she's like mama makes the rules i'm like yeah mama Correct. makes the rules you know <laughs> and so it's like let me just pull her aside and talk to her for a second right. um so i can help calm her down a little bit and i was like all right give me a hug you know I'm like, we're okay mm-hmm. um i was like you need to go apologize to mama and you know and I love that she can do that now. That's nice. The, the accountability that they have at a young age, if you kind of instill it, is is nice. And I never had to co-parent. Well, I didn't get to co-parent. Yep. Um, I was a single parent through and through. And I joked that, like, that was probably the best for me because I'm a little stubborn. And I think <laughs> that I'm right all the time. Um, and it's really funny because no. I stop. <laughs> it's really funny because my partner is the same way now. Mm-hmm. So now we kind of, you know. It's it's interesting navigating a step parent relationship with a child that's so young because you kind of step in and become the parent, yeah. um, and we've had to navigate that ourselves in terms of. It was funny when we started doing this recently. If he just isn't listening to me, I'm like, all right, daddy's going to say it and it's not going to be pretty. So we've kind of like good cop, bad copped it and made it work for us in terms yeah. of if I say it, then he says it louder. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a difference. I. I... It, a lot of things that I inherited from my father, um, road rage being one of them. Oh, God, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing being I, I can have a dad voice. Okay. You know, I can, you know, have that, like, authoritative, like, right. yell that right. isn't screaming. It's just my voice is just loud enough. To get the point across. Yep. Yes. And That's my mom eyes. You know, you just yep. look at them and you're like, I will kill you right now. <laughs> oh, I've seen, you know, the mother of my child do that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such a weird, like, Freudian thing where she does that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, man, that's why I love you. <laughs> you, got, you got that. You got I that. love that. Well, that. we don't have the volume. <laughs> we just have the, like, kill yeah. you eyes. Um, <laughs> and they listen most of the time. But well, it's it's tough, like, with a step-parent situation, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, your child you know, doesn't have a, a great father figure sure. uh, or his actual father. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that a lot. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's sad because parents, you know, the kids, they, they need that, you know, but, sure. but, but the partners, they need that too. They need to sure. have, I mean, you know, there's a reason that the saying is it takes a village, right? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. And it's absolutely true. So when like, you know, I'm talking to like, you know, my child's grandparents mm-hmm. and, and they kind of step in and say something. And then like, you know, the Nana will look at me and be like, be like, Oh, sorry, sorry. And I'm just like, you're not doing anything wrong. Like I'm not yeah. offended by what you're doing. Sure. Like you're, you you all live together. Yeah. You know? Healthy boundaries though is so important. And you know, a lot of grandparents don't have healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um. But you, you know, it, it is important to set the rules. And and I've had to say myself, like I am the mama. Yep. You're not the mama. Yep. He's going to listen to me when I say – and, like, you know, even – especially that generation, they don't take kindly to um, 
criticism. advice or criticism. Yeah. You know, I say constructive criticism. Right, right, and it's never in an angry way at first. Right. <laughs> Until it's like the tenth time I'm saying it, and I feel like it's detrimental to my kid. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I tell them something, and then you immediately say something. You know what I mean? Like it's coming from seven different sides. You're confusing a tiny little brain. Like, yeah. let me parent right now. I'm gonna go ahead and do this, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> well, and and the kids pick up on the tension. Oh God, you yes. know, because I can't tell you, you know, how many times you, like the the kid understands, mm-hmm. even if they can't process it, they understand when there's tension. And that's even harder for them because they understand that there's this big emotion there yep. and it doesn't feel good. Right. But they don't know why it doesn't feel good. They don't know how to make it stop. Yep. Um, so yeah, no. And, and he's definitely dealt with that in terms of when he was little and his bio dad was around. Um, you could he could feel the tension he acted out he wasn't you know and and that's all he could do is just get that out in a way that made sense to him which was being bad yeah so so when you know getting into uh so pre-parenting sure um ish something that really fascinated about uh, you know about you know you uh, to Mm -hmm. me was you know you being um, like putting yourself through college yeah. and nursing school, mm-hmm. like pregnant. You yeah. Know? Like, oh cause my God. A lo- you know, like I said before about, you know, like, oh, my life is ruined kind of a thing. Yeah. It, a lot of women, you know, as soon as they're pregnant, it's like their life stops and that's all there is to it. Right. Whereas like for you, you know, I'm, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, your thought process is, was more, well, no, um, I'm going to, keep doing this yeah so that you could provide for your child there was no choice i knew what i wanted to do and yes being a mom is what i always wanted and i wanted him very much when i found out about him he was not expected um but (laughs) he was a surprise he was a a happy accident um (laughs) but at the same time i also knew that i had another dream in life and that was to pursue my career and Mm -hmm. i needed that career in order to provide for the family that i wanted so there was no question and you know I don't think I'm some story of a team, you know what I mean? A young mom who did it. Like, no, people don't have to look up to me because I had a lot of help, you know, and that's another issue. We talk about cyclical poverty. I talk about it a lot. You know, I'm a middle class white woman. I had all the help I needed. I had grandparents that could help me. I had, you know what I mean? Like I had a mom that could watch my kid while I went to school. So there's so many people that don't get the opportunity to finish school. And you see, like, um, my fiance's a, a teacher, yep. and he's a teacher in a Erie school district. So he sees a lot of cyclical poverty there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those kids, they don't have that opportunity that I did. Yeah. And, and you know, it has nothing to do with perseverance. It has nothing to do with um, anything like that. It has to do with sheer luck of where you were born. Yeah, and you know, I, I, you know, I just had an interview with uh, Christy Genevis, um, okay. and you know, you, are you familiar with her? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah. She, okay, so she ran for Congress, um, lost out to Mike Kelly. Boo, Mike Kelly. Ugh, awful. Um, we hate him. But uh, you know, she, um, it, it was interesting, you know, like because I knew of her story, yeah. and then like sitting here talking to her, and a lot, she said a lot of the same things you're saying, you know, single mom, te- you know, she's mm-hmm. a teacher. Um, you know, she's a, a cancer survivor Wow! and it's just a, a, like a whole story where, it, and then, you know, we're getting into like, you know, what kind of what's wrong with this country sort of a thing. You know, she ran for Congress. She right. knew, she had done her research. She knew a lot God, of this yeah. stuff. And, and I think about stuff like that a lot. And what 
what bothers me more than anything is the idea that there are people that just sort of shrug at you and go, yeah, but that's just, I mean, they could get out of that if they wanted to. Oh, my goodness. And, and that's not the case. I mean, right. it's the system is built to keep those people where they are. There's there, like systemic racism is a thing yeah. for a reason. And yeah. pe- people are like, oh, prove it to me. And you try and prove it to them. And then they're just like, yeah, but like. They should work harder. Well, that's, you know, but that's just like the liberal media saying mm. that. And it's like, okay. It's, So you see, I use this example a lot. So there's a teenage kid who is going to school, has to work to help support their family because, you know, they don't work these jobs that are offering a livable wage. God forbid. Um, (laughs) So they're working to help their family. So they say, well, they could just study hard and get a scholarship. Okay, great. They don't have time to study because every time they're not in school, they're working. So then they don't get into a good school because they didn't get the scholarship. And then they're stuck at those low paying jobs. And then it's the same thing over and over and over. And God forbid you add a baby into it. So then you got to pay for daycare, which is outlandish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I, we lucked out there where she's a stay at home mom. Yeah. So that, that like, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, I am the sugar mama in my relationship. Sorry, Brady. (laughs) I love you. Um, but I am the, I am the, you know, bacon bringer homer. Um, I make a substantial amount more than he does. And that is a whole nother issue with teachers being paid the way that they should be. It's also a, a, dynamic shift for like a traditional couple so yeah. to speak and i grew up in you know i've talked about this before i grew up in a in a fairly conservative home yeah you know like you know stay-at-home mom dad brings home the bacon you know yeah. and uh it and you know so when like i would meet other people who didn't have that story because most of my friends you know i went to catholic school most of my right. friends had that story sure so then it's like when you start meeting people that don't have that story it's like oh like you know you're mom works and works you know and your dad stay home or you know you don't have a dad or sure. you know whatever the story is and it's just such a a thing where like people just you know they need to be able to educate themselves and sure and be open to these um i don't even want to say new experiences as much as it's like a, a experience that isn't your own sure um which is hard for people to do when they get and that's part of the issue I have with um, conservatives, yeah. you know, because a lot of them won't educate themselves because they assume, well, you know, it, it's sort of like, well, everything's in this book. You know, and whole- not my problem. That's a huge issue yes. within, I feel, a lot of the, and, you know, opinions, but I feel within a lot of the conservative people that I've met and spoken to and tried to have uh, civil debates with yep. – it's a not my problem issue. They should do better if they, well, you were put in a position that you had the opportunity to do better. They don't have the opportunities that you do. You know, this this is something that, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and admit on air. Uh, so for the longest time, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'd be in a relationship, be out of a relationship, yada, yada, yada. And so many people, married people, by the way, married their high school sweetheart or yeah. at the very least are in a happy marriage. What's that like? Anyway, you know, they'd be like, uh, you know, but I'm sure, let me tell you about my wife. <laughs> um, 90s uh, joke. Anyway, <clears throat> um, for the longest time, and I had to kind of come to terms with this, especially in therapy, was, oh, you'll, JJ, you're a catch. You'll find somebody someday. Like, it'll happen for you. I know it. And then I remember talking to a therapist and saying that. And then he looked at me and he was like, well, what if it doesn't? 
Right. Why are you investing everything on being loved by someone else and not investing more in, in loving and caring about yourself? Yeah. And and that was something it, it hit me so hard. It was just like, I guess I never thought of that. And then when that happens is when you fall into finding a healthy partner because they too are on that same wavelength. Like you put you attract what you put out. Yep. And that is so true. And that's something I didn't realize for so long. And I still hate the phrase like you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. There are <laughs> days I don't love myself. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's just the way it is. That's life. But being healthy and understanding your worth is i think the the core of that saying yep. um if you don't understand your worth someone else won't understand your worth and that that's a better saying in my opinion yeah it's and it's tough because it's i remember be just being young and thinking like well i, I uh, yeah it's fine you know but because right. if i love someone that'll be all right mm -hmm. that'll be enough and it isn't enough it's not and even with a child mm -hmm. it's even worse because it's like you have to give them yeah. unconditional love and and it's like and and you really do because they need to grow up in somewhat of a stable home right which does that stability even exist i feel like stability <laughs> though like that's important yeah. in terms of like them having their mental needs met especially yeah i've seen people struggle and have mentally healthy kids you know yeah. like they're eating ramen most nights but their kids are still happy yeah. and that's that's the important part is making sure you have a mentally healthy kid yeah. and that's something we didn't focus on in our society for a really really long time yeah. and you know that's one of the things to kind of loop back to what you were saying about like the therapist and you'll find someone you're a catch and that's something that was really hard for me. Like my last relationship prior to my fiance, um, it's like the I, there's literally nothing wrong with the person. It's just, yeah, sure, I'm a catch, just not for them. Yeah. And that is the crappiest thing to sit in because you can't like you can't sift out like what did I do? Nothing. You did nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. You just aren't good for each other. Like yeah. you're not gonna make each other better yeah. and that is such a hard thing to sit in and that's one of the biggest things i've worked on in therapy is you know just sitting in the shit <laughs> yeah. sometimes you have to just sit in the shit <laughs> yep. i i had a <clears throat> i had a friend that you know she just when she gets into a relationship and i'm mm -hmm. guilty of this too is just i'm in we're we're doing this right you know we're it's it's an immediate we're going the distance right which is not a first of all not a healthy way to think sure but drama bonding <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah not okay but and, and i was and i was talking to her i was like you know can i be candid with you for a second mm -hmm. she was like, yeah i was like remember when they were saying like when COVID started when quarantine kind of hit yeah that there was like a mask shortage right it wasn't really so much of a mask shortage as much as they were just trying to get us to calm down a little bit so they could make the masks sure and then stop buying everything up like gas stop it yeah <laughs> Jesus, people um but uh and she was like okay i'm like that's that's what you're doing you just you jump right in and you're you know buying up all the shit and if you by chance are with a healthy person that's gonna spook them <laughs> that's yeah. gonna spook them real good <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know you, you gotta you got to just take a step back and just let let the relationship be right. because it's okay if it ends. It's okay. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time yeah. is letting a relationship end. Mm. And, and and it's okay if it ends. And it doesn't mean that, you know, she's a bad person or I'm a bad exactly. person. It just means that it just didn't happen. And I just came to the conclusion of like, 
I I stopped. Uh, it's part of the reason that like you know to be you know to kind of pull the curtain back on me a little mm-hmm. bit. I I don't really go to church anymore because it's right. like I don't have. I don't believe in the quote unquote, you know, no offense to people who do go to church. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the fairy tale of it. You know, it's like, oh, you'll find somebody someday. It's like, yeah, but it may not. Sure. And I had to come to terms with that. Sure. You know, um, I had to come to terms with like, maybe there isn't an almighty looking after us. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, is there? Who knows? We can't, you know, a Christian friend of mine, one of my best friends, he put it really well. Where he's like, yeah, you can't prove that God exists. You also can't disprove that God exists. Sure. So that made a lot of sense to me. And I was like, okay, I, I like that, but I also need to pull back and say, you know, when, when people are holding up their Bibles and you know, another reason I don't go to church because mm-hmm. the hypocrisy behind it. There's a lot. Um, and, you know, that's really funny because religion plays such a heavy, heavy hand in my job now because these people are, you know, some of them are really spiritually distraught you know you you're ending the end of your life you're nearing the very end and people have unfinished business and you know i say it's kind of funny and it sounds funny but i always say it i want my patients to have a good death and what that looks like is being happy and healthy well not happy but um okay in your mental spiritual and physical health because they're so separate and okay so to bring that back to also be in like a good relationship, you have to be in a decent place and all those all those things too. Yeah. You know, to have a good life, you should be going for equilibrium and all of those things, whatever that means to you. And you know, I'm like viciously pagan, so <laughs> it's it's really hard um, to kind of um, equate that in my life. But I'm at a good place spiritually because I do what spiritually feels, you know, uh, and, and seeking that out has helped my mental health Mm. and then going to the doctor and all that stuff, physical Mm. health. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a good place in those three areas, I'm going to attract better energy into my life and ultimately not have to work so hard. And that was a huge thing in my relationships is it was always so much work. You know, you really had to like, well, it's not quite, the puzzle piece isn't quite fitting, but if we shave a little here and take a little there, it'll fit. And that's not how any of that works and i realized that it's not a fairy tale we might not even be from the same puzzle yeah but we can still cohabitate (laughs) and in a healthy healthy relationship that works you know my partner and i are really (laughs) his therapist said we're congruent in a lot of things but opposites (laughs) attract so and that's that's the case and and that's been interesting navigating in a healthy way just being so different personality wise but i I also love that you're saying partner because Mm -hmm. that's you know, if somebody said it, uh, it was like an Instagram story I saw yeah. that was like, we got to, you know, to be an ally to the LGBTQ community, sure. um, you know, using that term more often. And right. it's funny, you're, you're saying that because it's like hitting me in, in such a fun way where I've been saying that to the mother of my child, where I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm your partner. Like, I'm here to help. You right. Know? It's like, what whatever our situation is, is whatever, we're still parents. Sure. And, and know, in a way, co-parenting is a partnership. Yeah. And that's and that's what it is where, you know, it's like, sure, you can say fiance. You know, eventually mm-hmm. you'll say husband and, you know, whatever. I think boyfriend sounds really young. He's my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember like, oh, yeah, this is really off topic. I just real mm-hmm. funny real quick. Uh, uh, the, the movie uh, As Good As It Gets. Mm. Like Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's it's pretty good. But but anyway, at one point she says that she's like, "Why can't I just have a normal boyfriend?" And I just kind of laughed where I was like, 
I was like, it's you know I saw that movie when I was a kid at first, and I was just like, it's so weird to hear like a grown woman say that about like an mm-hmm. older man. Yeah. And it's like, but like saying like man friend is weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're not a boy friend anymore. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but anyway, uh, but like the the term partner is there's so much more to that. Right. Than saying um, husband, than saying sure. wife, than saying mother, father, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, partner, there's so much more involved. And and it autom- and to me, at least, it automatically implies um, equality and accountability. Equal respect, equal work, you know, yeah. a partnership. like, and, and that doesn't mean 50-50 all the time. We right. actually are just going through that now. I, I'm in my first trimester of pregnancy, and I forgot how exhausted you get. <laughs> so I come home, and I'm like, <sighs> I'm like dead. Um, <laughs> so he's really picked up a lot of the slack around the house. Yeah. And I'm so appreciative of that. But at the same time, I knew that if he had a situation – that he couldn't give the 50%, I could boost up mine because that's what a partnership is. It's the give and take. And that's something we kind of have been doing and talking about more recently. But I mean, it's not like, like I said, nothing's a perfect fairy tale. We still have to talk about all this stuff. We still have to navigate what that means. Um, And it's still uncomfortable a lot of the times. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd say friend, but I don't really like him that much. Um, but Acquaintance. A guy, a, guy, a guy I knew a long time ago. Um, he he said, what's the most important part of a relationship? And I was like, love. And he's like, no. Mm-mm. No, it isn't that. And I was like, how the hell is it not that? What the fuck are you talking about? And right. he was like, no, it's communication. True, to an extent. Yeah. Um, the communication, saying it is the one thing. Yeah. Hearing it, processing it, and acting off of it is the important part. Because I can communicate effectively all day long, but if the person I'm communicating with isn't getting it or isn't ready to hear it or can't be at that level with me mentally, what does it matter? Very true. Yeah. Ironically, he and his wife are not together anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't communicate well enough, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Like I said, I never really cared for him anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad they're not together. But anyway. um, But, you know... when when you're in a relationship, and I'm sure it's tough, you know, for your fiance, sure. you know, because he's coming into like, you know, uh, he's dating, you know, a mom. Yeah. So it's like you, you have that term, like, you know, oh, you got to date them both. It's sort of true, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. Because he has to now, because if he's not a good fit with the kid, doesn't matter. All doesn't day, matter. All day, every day, if you two are getting along, mm-hmm. the kid doesn't like him. Yeah. Good night, Moon. Yep. He, um, that was one thing we talked about really early on is intentions because, mm. you know, I, I'm fine. I'm sex positive. Like, if that's the goal, then that's cool. But, like, tell me what our intentions are because I'm not getting into a romantic relationship without you being ready for the settle down, ready to be a dad because that's where I'm at. Yep. And, you know, he, he was a young bachelor. He was drinking 30 packs every weekend. <laughs> Since then, he's lost like 20 pounds because he hasn't been. So uh-huh. um, <laughs> he's welcome. I've gained it all. He's lost it all. But um, I'm also having a – it's fine. It's just baby weight, I say, as I'm only eight weeks pregnant. <laughs> you, you're still you – look, you look great, Thanks. right? You're fine. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, it is a huge shift. And that, I'm sure that was so difficult for him going from, like – bachelorhood to like instant dad yeah it, it it's uh whether whether it's your own kid or not mm-hmm. it, 
it is because I've dated single women, I've dated yeah. moms, and and I found myself when I wasn't a dad dating moms. Mm-hmm. It was just like I I didn't know what to do. Right. You know, I was like I was like I'm good with kids. I got this. Right, but, but it's and, so much more intricate than that. Yeah. It's it's truly like. And that's the thing too, is is especially being early in a relationship as as a single parent is navigating like what are they allowed to do, what are they not allowed to do, yeah. what are they comfortable doing, what are they not, and you know I'll be honest, Brady puts Jensen to bed every single night. That's like their jam, mm. um, and he reads and sings in his terrible, terrible voice all of the <laughs> books. He, I love him, but he cannot carry a tune, does not know any lyrics. <laughs> so I hear them up there, and he's just like crooning and like glasses breaking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Jensen loves it and that's their thing. Yeah. They get along so well. And, and you know, I remember the one morning, originally I thought of it as like, you know, if it's your kid, like getting up with them in the morning is like, you got to do it. But when it's not your kid, I was like, he's going to get resentful. Like he's not going to want, he doesn't have to do this. Yeah. And then the one morning, like I was about to get up and he like jumps out after me. He's like, no, this is my favorite part of the day. And I was like, okay. Like wow. that was a huge, like, pff, like it was amazing because he gladly took on that responsibility. Yeah. And and that was different, you know, versus the, the guilt of like, well, I shouldn't ask him to do so much. He's not his dad. Right. Um, that kind of turned into, well, you want to be his dad, you got to do it. <laughs> right, yeah. So. It, 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 and that's a whole shift in his life, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and he's not here, so we can't, like, you know. We can so. call him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, you know. He's actually at the playground with Jensen right now. Like, they're having a Daddy Jensen day, and oh, that's really cute. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and, and that's something that, like, you know, especially, like, you know, being a single mom is one mm-hmm. thing. And I'm sure there was a point in your life where you're like, this might just be it. Oh, this yes. Be my life. Yes. Um, but then having that partner mm-hmm. come in and help you is suddenly like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. here we are. Like, and it, I don't know if that makes any sense what I'm trying it to does, say. It does. Like, it does. Yeah. You know, it's, it's different because getting up at night with a baby, I did it alone. Getting him dressed in the morning before work, I did it alone. Getting him dinner, getting him bathed, getting him to bed, I did it alone. So to have this person, I was like, I can watch an episode of Hulu. Like, (laughs) that's what I'm allowed to do now. Like last night, he knew I was so tired from work and I had a really rough day. One of my favorite patients passed and um, it was very emotional. So on top of that, I'm exhausted. I didn't get my early morning nappy in (laughs) and I need those now. So... I got home and he was like, we're going to go play in the basement. You just do what you want. So I like binge watched a show until like midnight and I felt amazing. I haven't gotten to do that in so long. But that's like what partnerhood is about is like when you can't give the 50 percent. And that's so important. And I'm so, so grateful to have that. Yeah, because that, that's that's important because it, it isn't always going to be the 50-50. It's right. going to shift. And you need to have somebody mm-hmm. that if it's going to shift, it's Again, it, but it still has to shift equally, right? Because otherwise, it's just going to turn into resentment, right? And that's corrosive, that's absolutely. Deep. Especially when it's not like that was always one of my biggest fears: is it's not his biological child. He's going to resent me even more because he doesn't have to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a really hard thing to kind of shift from because you have someone like the voice in your head saying no. That's not okay. They're going to hate you. They hate you. They hate you. They're And they're saying, and, and that's been a huge thing for me is just taking people at what they say yep. because that's all we can do. And if he says, I love this, I love our life, I love Jensen, I need to just take it 
and understand that he's going to say what he means. And that's been something I've said to him, too, is, you know, don't be cryptic. Just say it. Yeah. And I will do my best to accept it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, the taking people at their word is, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a relationship, you know, yeah. you're talking about like trauma bonding and everything. God, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, as, as someone, you know, you know, like you that mm-hmm. you know, has depression and anxiety, you know, someone says, it's okay. Like, I don't mind helping you. I love you. The, your first thought is, <laughs> you hate me you yeah. hate me secretly and you're gonna leave any minute <laughs> but, but not only that but that's just like a but you want something you yeah want something out of it yeah you? like you know you just that constant like you know narrow eyes mm-hmm. and just, you know. waiting for the worst thing to happen yes and i looked at him it was like two days ago and i was honest with him i was like because I was on the couch after work and he started cleaning. And I was like, this is making me anxious. I feel like you want me to get up and clean as well. Yes. And he was like, no, I really don't. Like, And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to just accept that. Yep. Um, but that's so like anxiety inducing for me because I was like, you're going to be mad at me if I don't help. Well, it's like, you know, so I brought dinner over yeah. uh, the one night. And uh, so, you know, she's putting it on plates and everything. And then after dinner. <coughs> Bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> so after dinner, she's cleaning up, and I'm out there playing with the baby. And then I was just like, "Oh God, oh no!" I was like, uh, "Do you need any help?" And she was like, "No, I'm good." I'm like, "But she means she does." Like, That's yeah, like the voice exactly. in your head. I yeah. Was just like, okay, well, keep watching the baby then, and you know, it's like. I'll and t- now you're like waiting for the shoe to drop. You're all tensed up. Yeah. You're like, but but it doesn't because she's right. like she meant it. She was like, "No, I'm good. I'm I'm cleaning up. It's fine." And that's important because, you know, I've been in relationships where it isn't what it means, you know, and that's and that kind of trains us to think that way. So explaining that to them, you know, and having them understand, like, please just say what you mean. Like, I will take it. I will try to not be a psycho. I will try. I will fail, (laughs) but I will try. (laughs) But, you know, I I had that relationship once where, uh, you know, might be more than once, but you know. Uh, so at the top, my ex fiance, mm-hmm. she's you know, we bought like food and everything. She's in the kitchen making it, and I'm in the living room watching TV. Right. And then I go in there every now and then, like on a commercial break, and I like you know, put my arms around her, kiss her, and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, it's dinner coming along, you know, blah, blah blah. Not thinking anything of it. Sure. And then and then she's just like, you know, you could have helped me. You could have like offered or something. And it's like. Uh, that's like, kind of a woman thing though on top of being unhealthy is like we're like well you should have read my mind so yeah <laughs> no and that's the thing that we deal with too is you know i work on being healthy myself and saying what i mean yep. myself he okay so i'll be honest today he was like wow you're gonna go do a podcast with your ex-boyfriend that's cool guess you don't love me like he was joking <laughs> and in my little anxious head like he and his friend are calling it the porn podcast and i was like that's great thank you um but i was like okay i'm i don't i don't feel comfortable with this joke anymore i'm setting a boundary and he was like okay yep and that's something where we're, i was like this is my boundary do not cross it I'm going to be honest instead of just like letting it happen and then bubbling up and getting mad about it, saying what I mean, saying what I feel at the moment. Yeah. It's, and I get that. And I was nervous about that, to be honest with you. But it's also like. He doesn't care. He likes to make jokes. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell him, I'm like, I can never tell when you're joking. Please stop. It's making me anxious. (laughs) No. And, um, 
So like it's been important for us to set those boundaries because that's how he handles things. Like that's how he is. He just jokes about everything all the time. Um, I can relate. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, And that's great. And I'm usually good with that. But it's when I'm like, okay, my little psycho brain is no longer able to take the joke. Yeah. Because at a certain point it does become like, it's like, okay, you've said this a few times. really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it or yeah. you know and yeah because the, there is a little bit of that there with a sure. person uh, sure and because uh, when people have made jokes before it's passive you know what i mean and that relates yeah. back to the people not saying what they mean instead of saying i'm not comfortable with this which he very much he's that kind of person he would have said i'm not comfortable with this but yeah. also we're not you know what i mean like there's no reason why right, right. um so instead of a person saying i'm not comfortable with this they would just passive aggressively poke at you and and yep. that's a part of the unhealthy relationships in the past that yep. make you like hyper vigilant mm-hmm. to those things. You know, in 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 going back to the story about like my ex fiance, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being upset with me for not helping with dinner when it's like, you know, because at the time I was like, I did offer. I said, Hey, do you need any help? And she said no. And she said no. And then like, okay, but, but she meant yes. Yes, but that's not okay. That <laughs> right? Exactly. That. Exactly. And so we. So it turns into this fight. Like, well, then why the fuck didn't you just say something? Um, whereas, like, you know, when uh, the mother of my child and I were dating, yeah, you know, she she's like, you know, it's like let's buy some food. I'll cook you dinner tonight. I was like, oh, that's great. And and it turned into that where I was sitting on the couch. I was like, oh boy, I'm getting some flashbacks here. I'm gonna get in trouble. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, you need any help? She's like, nope, I'm good. I was just like, but you mean yes, but you mean yes, but you mean yes. I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, but like, I I can help if you need. She's like, dude, what is up with you? And I was like, right. And I tell her that story, and she's like, I see. And she looks at me, and she's she like grabs my face, and she's like, I'm good. Yeah, right. Have a seat. Dinner will be ready in a minute. I'm like, okay. And being blatantly honest about it, and and talking through like our experiences and stuff, it is important for them to understand why, like. I'm a little psycho at times. Um, and it just, it, it helps so that they identify your triggers and don't trigger you by accident. Yep. Um, and, and vice versa. And and there were times where we would like talk about that because they were both smokers. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we, we talked about like that being an issue. It was like, oh, if we're fighting, then she's going to be smoking a little bit more. Sure. And, and she kind of brought that up. And I was just like, I was like, I was like, hey, like you're bringing it up. I didn't bring that up. And she was like, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That 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 was uncool. And it's like, okay, cool. You have to be in a good space to be able to talk like that, though. And that's one of the things um, my my therapist most recently said to me is, you have to t- like sometimes you have to pull yourself out and say, I do not get to engage right now because it will not be a healthy engagement. Yep. And yep. that's been huge. Like when you're triggered, you cannot have a healthy relationship. You cannot have a healthy conversation about said relationship. Yep. So you have to step back whatever that means. And, and you know, I, we were having a pretty heavy conversation the other day and learning about how he handles things, learning about how he processes things. I'm very much a just keep talking until it's all out. Yep. And he very much, and it offended me at first because he gets very quiet and I call it like he looks like a kicked puppy. Um, and I'm like, stop it. It's making me upset. Like I'm <laughs> feeling guilty. Um, and it, it's just that he's He's being very um, thoughtful about it. Yep. He's internalizing and thinking. So the other day when we were having this serious conversation, I was like, are you shutting down or are you thinking about it? Just to see where we were at. Yep. And that question was so important because it didn't escalate me more. Yeah. And it's it's all about the, the, the right kind of communication. Right. 
because you can scream and yell at a person all day. Mm-hmm. That's not, I mean, that's not communication. <laughs> well, but it's, you know, well, some may argue with that, but sure. I, I agree with you, but it having like a healthy conversation mm-hmm. and being able to communicate in a healthy way is surprisingly very difficult. It know? is so hard, especially when, when you have never like, we're very self, people are selfish. Like yeah. everybody is inherently a little bit selfish. Oh, yeah. So we want to get our words out and we want them to be understood and heard and it's okay if they don't agree. I mean, I listen to a lot of Brene Brown. She um, is a shame researcher mm-hmm. and I think you showed me something. I yeah, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. It's a video about, she's talking about her husband and like he was distant or something. And, and it's the story we tell ourselves. So like, instead of just like pondering like what's going on in their head, mm-hmm. Honestly, it can cut out so many hours of anxiety if you just say, what are you thinking? Like, communicating it can solve so many of the issues. And it's also recognizing when someone needs space. Mm. When, you know, you don't want to... That's hard for me. Yeah, because my instinct, if, you know, if my partner is, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of shutting down or something, my instinct is to jump right in and try to save the day. You know, let me hug you. Let me, oh, let me yeah. kiss you. Everything will be okay. And and realizing that she's hypersensitive. Yep. She doesn't want that right now. Yep. And okay, I'll leave. That's how it is with Brady and I. He very much, his love language is physical touch. And yep. mine is not. Mine is words of affirmation. Yep. Go figure. I need to be told I'm pretty and pet all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really hard for him to navigate. Like when I'm overstimulated, it's not that I'm mad at him, but I just do not want to be touched by anyone. And him understanding that and learning to not take it personally was so important to our relationship because in the beginning, like he, he was like, I don't feel the love. And like, he realized that if, if he gave me what I needed in terms of that space, it would bounce back so much quicker. Yep. And be able to give him the love and the love language that he utilizes. Yep. Yep. And and that also that weird thing with people, right? You know, where you're just like, wait, this person doesn't think like me. Oh, I have that's to, the worst. I have to see what it's like from their point of view. Mm-hmm. And and that's just that's any relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a coworker or a friend or yeah. just you know, podcast guest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, especially when you have a much more intimate relationship, yes. really like, oh, okay, so, you know, she doesn't l- want the physical contact right now? Sure. The fuck is wrong with her? Like, I, I, lo- I love the physical contact. Right. Why yeah. don't you just like me? Yeah. But and that's the thing. Would you want to be with someone just like you? No. Exactly. I barely like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, some days, this is, no thank you. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, man. Like, you watch the same YouTube videos every time you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's really funny. It's because they're funny. Um, Bill Hader and Melissa Villasenor in Saturday Night Live. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> that's well, really funny. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, this has been an absolute delight. Uh, Thanks for having me. A much more intimate discussion than I thought we were going to have, but way better than I thought we were going to okay. have. Okay. So, and, you know, and I, and like I said before, someone that I admire, you know, like, you know, going, you know, still going to school, you know, and you say you had help and everything, mm-hmm. but you still didn't have to do that. Right. And you did. And that's really admirable, you know, like, and, and yeah, your situation was much different than anyone else's, mm-hmm. but it was, that doesn't make it less hard. That's fair. So, 
uh, so, you know, I look at you and it's like, you know, you put yourself through nursing school, mm -hmm. you know, you navigated, you know, a toxic relationship with, mm -hmm. you know, with baby daddy. And, and now you're with the love of your life. You got a job that you love, you know, mm -hmm. you're a real life Wonder Woman. Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you back uh, at some point, you know, talk about actual Steve Rogers, Captain America. Oh my all. gosh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. It'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. And this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by the dadgum original Batman on film. <sighs> I hope everyone is having a wonderful week. I am. Thank you for asking. Um, this, is, uh, this is another special episode where uh, I talked to a, a good friend of mine uh, named Kristen... Uh, and we get into a little bit of her story here where she's, uh, you know, just someone I really admire, I really look up to. You know, she's had some really uh, tough relationships. Um, she put herself basically through nursing school because, you know, she, while pregnant, by the way, <laughs> I mean, just insane. And, uh, and now she's a homeowner, she's met her soulmate, and... Man, it's just, it's it's a story for the ages, folks, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Um, I really hope you dig this one. Um, as for me, uh, you can find... <laughs> That's terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm keeping it in, though. Um, as for me, you can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at 4ComicJunkies. You can email me, 4ComicJunkies at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review, subscribe, rate. That's how we get the word out about this fucking thing, man. Help me out, all right? But seriously, um, I, you know, listening to Kristen's story, which I've heard before, and, uh, and wanting to do these segments about, like, real-life Wonder Women, she was at the top of the list, and I'm, I'm so excited to share this with you. Um... Yeah, that's it. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Here she is, Kristen Lacrosse. 